Hello, hello, hello. Yes, it's me again. I bet you didn't think it'd be this soon. Yes, it's Andy Roberts again, with the first of a new collaborative effort with British distributor 88 Films. I've got the wonderful Callum Waddle with us again, talking about the legendary Charles Band. Before we hear from our favourite Scotsman, let's debrief just a little bit about Mr Band himself. So Charles Robert Band was born in 1951 on December 27th, and he's a well-known American producer and director. He started off in the 1970s forming Charles Band Productions, but he soon created Empire Pictures in the 80s, and then the famous Full Moon Features or Full Moon Pictures later, as it's known today. He's known for a variety of well-regarded signature products, such as the subspecies films, the Puppet Master franchise, Parasite, Trancers, Evil Bong, Ginger Dead Man, Fairy Tales, Tourist Trap, and Mansion of the Doomed. And some of these are even available from 88 Films on Blu-ray or DVD, so do check them out if you're interested. Anyhow, let's hear it for the man from Fife, the man with 42nd Street memories, the guy who chronicled the rise and fall of Italian cannibal films, and also a whole bunch of screen queens. It's Mr. Waddle. Yeah, so this uh, will be um, a regular podcast, I hope, um, mm-hmm. with uh, a few of us speaking about 88 films. And uh, I thought for, for this one we should go back to the beginning, because obviously when 88 films launched uh, back in 2012, Mm. It was with uh, Full Moon um, Entertainment stuff. And uh, it was really interesting to me, um, 88 back then. I met them um, in the summer of 2012 when mm. I was in uh, in London. And um, it was, it was I can't remember what their very first release was, but I remember that they, they told me they were putting out um, Puppet Master and Demonic Toys and stuff. And I was... I the was very really, first one, yeah. Yeah, 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 and I was I was really excited by that, um, and and sort of begged them to let me write the booklet, and uh, I did a commentary with Justin Kerswell for the first Puppet Master, um, oh, and yeah. I was I was really thrilled to see these film moon titles coming out in the UK, and I remember, um, you know, uh, when when um, Eighty Eight Films was on Cult Lab back in mm. back in the day, um, there were people kind of saying, you know, oh, full moon that's you know, kind of cheap and and nasty stuff, you know, from the VHS era. But looking <laughs> back, actually, a, a lot yeah. of these films were actually really well produced, and um, and I think it was I think it was really good that um, the AC launched mm. with uh, with with this um, you know with, with with this with this momentum for uh, for film and entertainment, you know. I'd say so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, everyone's sort of heard of Charles Band, really, haven't they? It's one of those. Um, He's one of those characters that you just can't really seem to get away from. I mean, you mentioned their Puppet Master. I mean, I watched Puppet Master when I was um, when I was a quite an early early teenager. I think I was only thirteen at the time, and uh, it's one of those ones that I hadn't seen it, but yet I as soon as the puppets kind of came on screen, you know them if you know what I mean. Like it's one of those kind of um, stories that gets passed around the playground. You know, there's that film about the killer puppets and. The kids are always talking about them, the way they look and everything. And even though I hadn't seen it, when the puppets come on screen, you're like, you know, this feels familiar. It feels like something that I, you know, I haven't been part of yet. And it was one of those became, ones that... Yeah, I mean, it became a really interesting franchise, actually. What I think is really cool is that, um, you know, I, I, got to, I got to speak to Charlie Band. I've, I've interviewed him a couple of times. And I remember that he told me that, mm. you know, that the intention with, with Puppet Master was, to you know, make a sort of like quality direct-to-video film, 
because mm. you know he had obviously just folded his Empire Pictures um, label, which was doing theatrical stuff with you know um, Reanimator and Terrorvision um, mm. and From Beyond. But but it, you know in the long run it had lost money. So Filmin was mm. designed as a, a straight to, to video company, but mm. you know it was sort of like you know films that you could imagine seeing in the cinema. And what's really interesting is that Puppet Master actually did get a cinema release. It actually sold to. Um, it's so theatrical in one country. Do you know what country that is? I don't. I, to be honest, that's that's news to me. I thought it was just a direct video everywhere. No. It went. It went. It went theatrical, white theatrical in Thailand. And when I was in wow. uh, <laughs> the very first time that I was in Bangkok, I went hmm. to this little poster shop, which is in Bangkok, which is one of the greatest shops in the planet. It, it's just <laughs> this guy who has all these original Thai film posters, and hmm. it co- I think it cost me about forty pounds. But I bought an original Thai. Puppet Master theatrical poster, and if wow. anybody listens to this podcast and they go to Google and they look for it, it is one of the most beautiful theatrical posters you'll ever see. It's absolutely. Uh, I've see. I've got to. I've got to Google that later now. <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah. And you can it. you can only get it in uh and and and, and like I say, it, you could well, you could only get that in Thailand. There's only wow. one theatrical poster of Puppet Master, and it's from Thailand. And th- some of the Thai posters are fantastic. We should actually do a podcast on the Thai, uh, Thai movie Just posters. Just posters alone. I've got oh, so wow. many Thai movie posters. I've got a Thai movie poster for Anthropobagus. I've got a great Thai movie poster for Savage Terror, the Indonesian cannibal film. Um, and, and this shop's yeah. brilliant. It's, it's, in, uh, it's, in, it's in Bangkok. It's fantastic. But yeah, I mean, um, so if anybody's listening, it's, it's like one of my favorite posters is a Thai Puppet Master. Um, I was just going to say, I, I just Googled it. If that's the one I'm thinking, that's amazing. The, the, amazing, is it the right? one with the um, the two sort of pink puppet heads in the sky with the, like a, a bloody mouthed person sort of in the centre? That's the one. Oh, that is... Well, of course, you've got the original one of that, of course. I've got an original, and of course, fantastic Thai uh, lettering that, that sits yeah. over it as well. <laughs> yeah, it's, abso- it's absolutely tremendous. Um, it's 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 really brilliant, and I really love this poster. I think it's fantastic. So I'm really I'm I'm the proud owner of uh, mm. of this poster. Um, and yeah, we should do a podcast and Thai movie posters because if anybody's listening, like like Thailand, create <laughs> the greatest movie posters anywhere yeah. outside of Hong Kong. Um, these two territories just have the greatest movie posters ever. And I suppose <laughs> Japan as well, actually. Um, but yeah, so going, go, going back to Charlie Band, what's really interesting is that, is that my friend, um, Jeff Burr, um, mm. he directed um, Puppet Master 4 and 5. And they're, they're pretty good films. And I was really happy when 88 put them out. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the original um, run of Soul Moon titles that 88 did, I think, I think there's a lot of classics in there. I mean, I'm... I, I'm you know, I'm a sucker for kind of movies that remind me of, of you know, being younger and going to the, the video shop. And, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, that, I, think that's, well, I think that's why a lot of us have such fond memories of Charlie Band. I mean, even stuff like Demonic Toys, which, you know, by no one, I mean, by no shake of the dice is it a masterpiece or a great film, but it's it's mm. so much fun, you know. Yeah. Man, which, is just, which is just such a cool movie, you know. And I, that's I think what, that's, I th- yeah, I think that's the kind of the success thing of a film. I mean, it, it can be silly, it can be daft, it can be you know, virtually unbelievable, but... As long as it's fun, who really cares? I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. as long as it gives you that sense of fun. I mean, that's its whole purpose. It's supposed to be entertaining. The worst crime a film can be is be boring. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, I even, I even like the subspecies films. I mean, the subspecies films, um, I think, I think the, the first one especially, deserves a lot more credit than it gets. I mean, it was filmed um, in Romania right after the fall of communism. And it was mm. the first time that, that we'd ever really seen these locations. Um, mm. And I remember like like watching um, subspecies on on, on videotape, um, 
And sort of like just just being like, you know, this looks so otherworldly. And I mean, I mean, mm. kudos to Charlie Band for being the person that went out and filmed in, yeah, you know, yeah. in, in, in a part of the world that nobody was going and pointing a camera in, you know, and it adds to that kind of really <laughs> mystical feel of, of subspecies. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. that, you know, I think a lot of these films are really underrated. I sort of fell out with, with you know, the Charlie Band film and stuff around about the time, I must admit, of, of Ginger Dead Man uh, and mm. um, and uh, his Bong film. What's his Bong film e- called? Evil, Evil Bong. Evil Bong, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, that stuff never really appealed to me. I could see that, you know, that the, the, the budgets were kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel by that point. But mm. I think up until, you know, mid-90s, he had a really good lot of stuff. I mean, Castle Freak's a great film as well. I mean, stuff he did with Stuart Garden, like um, the, the Pit and the Pendulum, I thought was really good. Mm. Actually, I think you've got you've got Castle Freak out, haven't you? Were on eighty eight films, I remember. Yep, and and the Pit and the Pendulum. I did a I did booklets for both of these. Um, yeah, I, I mean fact, that was. In fact, was I was good. looking at um, I was looking at Charlie, uh, Charles Ben this afternoon just to kind of brush up because I mean I'd heard who he was, but it, I just didn't realise just how much of his stuff. I mean, especially that he's produced as well that you've oh, yeah, got yeah. out already. I mean, you've got pretty much everything really from his mid mid eighties sort of thing. I mean. There's um, Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death that you've got. Um, yeah, I got, I got the I got the Mark Kermode quote for that on the cover um, because I interviewed um, Mark Kermode at the Edinburgh Film Festival one year, um, yeah. and I was I was asked by AT if I could get a quote from him for for that film, and yeah. uh, <laughs> he very nicely obliged. So we got we got that nice quote from him on the the front cover. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, I mean, the thing is, he was he was doing stuff, um, you know, that was interesting even back in the seventies. Stuff like Mansion of the Doomed, which bit released over here as Massacre Mansion. Um, and it's kind of oh, yeah, that was that was seized actually, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> on section three, the um, the video. Well, I, I don't know. These, these, the that section three list is really stupid. Um, it was I, I, really I, stupid. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I wish it had never been unearthed because what really pisses me off about it. I mean, I'm digressing a bit here. Is now you, you get people on Twitter, or you know, they'll, they'll tweet me and say, "Do you have any? Um, do you have any plans to release any of the films on the section three list?" And it's like what, like Night of Living Dead and the thing, like 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 mm. these these movies. Should not be termed as, you know, a cat, you know, as, as, uh, as a section well, three yeah. film, you know. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, we're 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 really, I mean, you know, the whole term video nasty is, is quite interesting. There's actually a really really good book by um, Dr. K. Egan called Trash or Treasure, and it's about the video nasty. Era. It's about how video nasty sort of became a, you know, an accepted term to reference a sort of imagined, mm. you know, genre, yeah, or at least yeah, an imagined definitely. way of looking at, at, at films. And and yeah, yeah. Now, now this section three bollocks just really does my head in. I think it's kind of like, you know, we, we really need to, because, I mean, part of, you know, my research is, is sort of like trying to find a way to better categorize and identify marginal cinema, um, mm. you mm. know, and I think, I, think, I think we're in problematic areas where we're now categorizing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Night of Living Dead, or The Hills of Eyes, a category, as, as, as a Section 3 film. I mean, these, mm. are, these, are, these films belong into, you know, very distinct, um, errors of filmmaking and mm. you know particularly genre filmmaking so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm digressing a little bit but either way Mansion of the Doomed I think is a really interesting film and then of course you've got um, uh, Tourist Trap and his film with uh, with Demi Moore um, mm. oh Parasite, Parasite. Yeah. yeah yeah you ever seen Parasite Parasite's a, a really um, a really fun little movie actually um, I haven't it's very difficult to get hold of I mean you know, you talk about the Section 3 list, but I'm actually collecting all of them as well. So, I mean, I'll be picking up Parasite at some point. Uh, it, used was... sh- it used to show all the time on on um, uh, Sky, Sky Movies. Uh, on, oh, you yeah. know, 
and, and if it wasn't on Sky Movies, it was on Sky One as like a midnight feature or whatever. So when really? I had Sky TV, like it used to play all the time. I remember when when um when I had Sky Parasite would be on all the mm. time. So I've seen it. I've seen it like probably half a dozen times just by it playing on television. So much. <laughs> um, of course, it's, I mean, it was originally released in, in 3D, so, you know, you, you yes, don't get that yes, effect. Yes, yes, it was. But yeah. the sky used to screen it in its full, you know, widescreen ratio, which was, mm. you know, yeah. pretty, pretty, it's, pretty it's, cool. it's, um, it's a bit of a mix, isn't it, between, um, like, sort of Mad Max and uh, a bit like of Alien thrown in, just for good measure. I mean, I haven't actually seen it yet. I know that Demi Moore's in it, but, um, yeah, it's supposed to be like a yeah, bit of a I mean, mix. It's, 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 it's sort of like a, you know, belated response to Alien sort of three years later, but it was coming mm. out during that time for, you know, you were seeing sort of some fairly cheap movies explore 3D, like you had Silent Madness, which is a film that I would really like 88 films to release, but we can't, we can't find it. Um, mm. We can't find a print for that. Uh, and um, and what was the other one? Space Hunter, the, the Molly Ring Mode movie, which was, did you yeah. ever see that movie? That, that's, that's like a really um, fun sci-fi 3D film. I wonder well, which one was that one, sorry. It's, it's, called, it's called Space Hunter, right? Hang on, I'm going to have to go Space to the internet and check. I've not heard Space, of that one. Space Hunter, mm-hmm. Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. Isn't it, isn't it called that? Space Hunter. Mm-hmm. Who, who was, the, who was um, the, the, the actor in, in that? Yes. Yeah. It's got Molly Ringwald in it, 1983, so it came out a year after... Um, oh, right. A year after... Oh. Uh, what's it called? Um, Parasite. Uh, Parasite, yeah. yeah. Parasite, Oh, yeah. and uh, it's, got a really good, it's got a really interesting cast as well. I'm just looking at it here on IMDb, and I forgot how cool the cast is. For it. It's got oh, like Michael, Michael Ironside, Michael Ironside it's got Andrea really Mar- Markovici um, and, and Ernie Hudson, um, mm. Peter Strauss, and it's got such a cool cast. And I actually, I actually um, got the uh, got the chance to um, to interview um, Andrea Markovici when I uh, mm. when when I was working on the stuff for our video. And mm. stupidly, I forgot that she was in space. Or otherwise, I would have, I would have liked to ask. <laughs> the, the things you forget when you meet people, and you're sort of like interviewing them. Yeah. The same, that 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 was the same time that I worked on um, the car, and yeah. I interviewed uh, John John Rubinstein. And I forgot that it was in Crazy Like a Fox, and it was only afterwards. I was like, oh, I grew up watching that guy. I completely blanked that he was he was in Crazy Like a Box, which was like one of the coolest <laughs> 80s TV shows. But anyway, we're digressing away from Charlie Band. But yeah, no, one, no, thing no, could, right. one thing we could say about, about Charlie Band is really, really, really good um, good cast. Always had really good cast in, in mm. the, the film. I mean, if you look at um, Reanimator, I mean, the cast of that, obviously. Oh, well, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Combs, very good. Jeffrey Combs, Bart so, Crampton, um, I mean, David I mean, Gale. Bradley, yeah, exactly. Just, just one of the best, you know, kind of, kind of B-movie cast ever assembled. Mm, yeah. Um, and and you know even even if you you look back at some of the the goofier stuff he did like Gooey's and Gooey's too I mean you know I still I still think I still think some of that stuff is is, is pretty good fun you know um, I'd say so I'd say so I mean yeah. there's 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 a quote I found from him which I found interesting he said um he said once there's no formula for making a good genre film everyone seems to come up with one but you can't really create anything that's going to have value four or five years from now and even though that seems to be something he said, I think it's far from the truth, really. Because I mean, so many years later, I mean, there's still puppet master movies around. You know, there's still movies of this type that are still going around, and people still love them and rediscover them. You know, many many years later mm. on on new mm. media. So I mean, mm. even though maybe that's not what his aim was, was to come up with something that had value. That it clearly does to, to a lot of people. You know, myself included. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that. Um... I think that I think the thing to to remember when it comes to um, 
when it comes to Charlie Band legacy is that you know the, the period that most people tend to remember him with. And again, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I'm being sort of you know fairly hypothetical here, but generally I find that fans are often very surprised when you mention the Reanimator and Ghoulies and Terrorvision and Eliminators and stuff for Charlie Band movies. That's not the stuff that most people tend to think of him as as making. Um, mm. Generally, I find that most people when you mention Charlie Band, tend to think um, Puppet Master and tend to think, um, you know, uh, uh, um, Demonic Toys and Dollman. Um, yeah, and yeah. Transfers, of course, we can't, we can't forget Transfers. And Transfers is actually never really mentioned as being a zombie movie. It's always kind of tagged as, as sort of like being a low-budget sci-fi film. But it's, actually, it's actually a zombie movie during the period when, you know, there weren't a lot of people making zombie movies anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I think I think that um, I think that the thing is I, th- I think that most people tend to associate him with the VHS period. And in terms of you know, there's no winning formula. I think I think actually he did hit upon a winning formula, which was the idea that you didn't have to make films for video which looked you know looked like crap basically. Yeah. Because mm, yeah. um, if you look back at the late 1980s and stuff that was going to video, stuff that, that looked pretty grim. And I'm talking mm. about stuff like. Um, some of the trauma releases, especially the stuff that trauma was buying up and be, you know giving stupid titles to like um, an employed barbarian and dinosaur hell, you know, which, which was basically <laughs> unreleasable. And I mean, I mean, kudos to to Lloyd for for buying something that was crap and giving it a yeah, really title. Yeah, you know? definitely. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, I mean, basically that's that's kind of what you you know what what, what you had on the video shelves, and you had stuff as well like um, uh, you know. Um, the the slumber party massacre sequels. Um, oh yes, and, yeah. And other stuff that's been made for video, like like stuff that nobody even remembers, like a, um, a nightmare on Alcatraz, which I don't, I don't think anybody mm. but me ever well, saw. Well, I, I know that there was um, there was quite a lot of uh, I know British shot on video films that are extremely forgettable now. I mean, there was there was GBH by um, Cliff Twemlow, and that was pretty shoddily shot, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's got a sort of style to it, but I mean. It's also Suffer Little Children, which I know got into a bit of trouble um, back in the day. And that's also watching it now and you're kind of just like, this is, a, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a slog. It's it's one of those one of those films that's kind of very inept on almost every level. So, I mean, the, the Brits weren't really doing very well with shot on video either. Exactly. So, I mean, um, a, lot, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of the stuff that, that, you know, was coming out simply wasn't, you know, wasn't particularly <laughs> good back then. And I think, I think what's really... Um, Interesting, sort of admirable um, about about what Charlie Band was doing was he was hiring people like Sergio Silvati to film mm. um, to film like uh, Puppet Master and um, to film um, Dub Species. And Sergio Silvati, of course, was was Fulci's cinematographer. He had done the Beyond, mm. yeah. um, and uh, and he's you know he 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 really added a, a really European feel to these films, which were shot in Europe anyway. But you know, really added. Um, a sort of classiness to these movies, which which you wouldn't have mm. got if they were just being being made, you know, kind of cheap and nasty and 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 fast, you know. So I I really sort of think he did he did hit upon um, a formula, and I think that he revolutionised the mm. the nature of of making um, like I say making uh, genre films for the video market. And you know, I think I think actually, you know, um, the road to what you see now with um, the movies that you go to um, that, that go to Sci-Fi Channel and sometimes have quite high, um, you know, money behind them. I think the mm. road to that really begins with with um, with what Charlie Band was doing. I, I mean, yeah. first, I just yeah. watched the trailer to um, Deep Blue Sea Two, 
Um, oh, yes. And, and, yeah. and, and what, yeah, what surprised me is that actually, it actually looks, looks pretty good. You know, it looks, mm. it looks like it's invested some, some pretty good money in there. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I think that, I think that what, what good about that is, you know, it's, to me, that leads back to, um, the, the, the whole Charlie Band kind of thing, you know, which was, mm. that, um, that he was, you know, making stuff for, you know, kind of an audience that, that, yeah, they were renting a videotape and, you know, but, but it didn't mean that you could, you did, you know, you were going to get something cheap and, and, and crap. Nasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, course. exactly, you know. Um, and, 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 you know, that it's, it's an era that's not looked upon as well by a lot of fans, you know, that whole video era. Um, hmm. And I, I, under, I understand why, you know, because it, it sort of came and it's sort of at a time when, um, especially censorship in America meant that, you know, you didn't, you didn't get films that were quite as nasty as, as those that had, you know, kind of going from Europe, yeah. Exactly, yeah. You know, so so I mean, going towards that late eighties, early nineties period, you know, you're sort of getting, you know, a lot of fans who don't, who probably don't have good memories of of renting Puppet Master or Demonic Toys or mm. Dollman or whatever, because they were very much, you know, not like the sort of stuff that you were, you were getting during the Video Nasty scare. You know, these were films that were actually quite tame in comparison. But yeah. you know, for me as a kid, I, I you know, I I loved them, so you know, it's. Mm. It's different, yeah. you know. Different. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know what you mean. I, I think um, there was a point when, um, especially from the first film, um, when I when I watched it as a kid, there was a bit where the, the sort of maid is around the, the fireplace, and it's a it's a very long and tense scene, and it's um it's, oh I can't remember that puppet's name now, the one with the the, the big sort of bald head, and he kind of goes out with a poker. And as a kid, I remember like fe- you know, feeling that that was really really frightening, and I remember mm-hmm. watching it as an adult. And just realizing that, and, and you know, I felt that tension in my stomach. I thought, oh my God, I haven't seen this bit since I was a kid. It's going to be horrible. And it wasn't that horrible. Like, sort of like, I was, I thought it was kind of more vicious and nasty than, than it was. But I mean, as a kid, you don't really care because it's just the, the way it's been crafted. But I remember certainly as an adult, um, kind of watching it again, thinking, oh, it's, it's not as kind of gory as I remember it. I mean, still good, but it's, it's definitely, um, like you said, it's still definitely tamer than a lot of the, uh, and the era that had just been that had just come and gone, really. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, you know, these these are films where I can, you know, I can understand, I can recognise why, you know, a lot, especially, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the older fans are like, oh, you know, this this stuff was garbage mm. and everything. And it was also sort of one of these one of these periods where, you know, you were you were like I say in America, you know, Fangoria had been pulled from the shelves, and there was this kind of backlash against horror movies, and mm. you know, there, there was there was an acceptance if you watched horror movies, you know, you were you were sort of possibly deranged or dangerous or whatever. And I mean, that, that's yeah. what it was like back then. And you know, obviously, as 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 a businessman, first and foremost, you know, somebody like Charlie Band was having to respond to that by making mm. films that were that were somewhat, you know, friendly towards early teens. You know, people yeah, of of, yeah. of you know thirteen, fourteen years of age. So I, you know, looking back, I think it's I think that you know, it was a more interesting time than mm, yeah. you know is given is given credit for basically. And mm. I think I think that he made stuff that was that was more interesting than a lot of people um, you know credit him for as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I think a lot a lot of creativity does come from uh, when you you are limited. I mean, I, I know sort of like um, in the early '80s when he was sort of doing this sort of thing. I know there was a 
there was a the part of the backlash against horror films was um, there was just concerns about uh, violence in general, wasn't there? I think there was the John Lennon had passed away in well, you know, been murdered in 1980, and there was a, a huge kind of censorship kind of um, brigade that was aimed at uh, horror movies. So I think when you have that kind of limitation that says you know you can't be this violent in um, in horror movies anymore, and people kind of know that limitation you kind of find a way to get around it i mean you know you can't depict sort of violence but you can sort of do the best you can and sometimes you find really creative ways to do that so i mean clearly like like you say we've got got to keep going back to puppet master but i mean that's not particularly explicit but god you know it's very memorable i mean that that bit with the the leech woman when i was a kid that scared the crap out of me you know the the whole leeches yeah 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 yeah. i mean that that was was, yeah pretty cool and and the you know i i i i I mean there's still finger chopping in there and still you know there's still there's still gore in there but yeah i mean yeah yeah it's not as as much as you know i understand a lot a lot of fans you know of of the time probably wanted and you know obviously towards the late 80s and and early early 90s a lot of the the kind of hardcore video nasty fans you know the Mm. the stuff that was sort of getting discussed in in dark side magazine and and stuff in the uk it was, mm. you know, it was, it was, it was largely, you know, stuff like necromantic and category three films and things which were a little bit, you know, a little bit more kind of kind of dangerous. So I think, I think that the recognition um, of Charlie Band and his work sort of sort of came, you know, a lot a lot later, you know. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is is yeah. I mean, generally that that's what I would say. I mean, I, I mean, you know, when eighty eight released the films, you know, I mm. thought obviously I thought it was great, but I was sort of. Um, I was I was I was sort of you know surprised that online there wasn't a bigger sort of like like nostalgia for this for this period um, mm. you know um, yeah whereas obviously you know when, when, if you, if you announce you know you're releasing Necromantic for instance you know there's a real sort of like fan kind of wow oh, you know that's that you know one of the the true kind of kind of era defining violent film sort of thing so yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, 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 th- I think that's that's the big difference between, like I say, you know, um, Charlie Band, and mm. and um, and the other films around at that time. That you know, it was it was a, an attempt to make films that, that looked good for the video market, but also an attempt to, um, to 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 sort of respond to the fact that in America, you know, if you wanted to get your 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 videotape onto the shelves of Blockbuster, you needed to have an R rating you know i mean yeah. the days of, of yeah. doing unrated stuff were just were just gone you know mm. i mean i think it's 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 a bit difficult for us in the uk to understand really just how kind of serious um not getting that r rating actually was in america i mean it's it was almost akin to being blacklisted wasn't it if you got like the what was the rating above r was it um it was N, it was nc17 but that was i mean the, the reason that they, they replaced um, it used to be X, and then they replaced X with NC17 because mm. when a film got an X, it was generally associated with XXX, which the porn yeah, industry which is pornography. Had. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, they they tried to make it NC17, and and you know, NC17 was not a, a pornographic rating. Um, no, no. So, so you know, if you got NC17, a a lot of theaters wouldn't play your your movie. Um, no, no. And part of that was because. Um, a lot of newspapers and magazines, in fact, most um, newsstand magazines and newspapers in America would not carry advertisements for anything that was rated NC-17. Mm, um, I see. Because, obviously, America still has this enormous 
you know, religious um, elements <laughs> to its culture. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you, you know, getting that R rating was very important to getting your film onto the shelf of Blockbuster. And, mm. you know, the trickle-down effect was that in America, you never, you never quite saw the same cult for stuff that was really beloved in the UK as, as super extreme. I'm talking about stuff like, like you know, from Cannibal Holocaust and Necromantic to, you know, your Category 3 films and stuff. I mean, these yeah, films, yeah. you know, caught on in the UK and then kind of travelled to America via word of mouth in the fanzine um, mm, scenario. Mm. Whereas, you know, your stuff like Puppet Master and everything, I mean, that was at the time, especially during the period of 1988 through to about 1990. 95, 96, that was the stuff that, that was filling the pages of Fangoria magazine, you know, and Fangoria yeah, yeah. Obviously had to be very careful because, you know, they they were kind of like, you know, despised by the, you know, religious right and <laughs> yeah. they were being pulled, pulled yeah. from a lot, of, a lot of newsstands as well and stuff. So. I mean, it's, it's one of those things, you, you, you know, you're, you're sort of grateful, really, that there isn't such a sort of religious... Um, sort of following over here. I mean, of course, there are religious people here, but not sort of to the level of um, to the level of America. Well, I mean, certainly thinking of like sort of um, like religious groups or anyone protesting your film, I mean, since the days of White House, you can't really imagine that sort of thing happening today in Britain. So, um, I mean, you do have to count, we do have to count ourselves lucky, really, that we don't have that anymore. Yeah, I think, I, I, you know, I, th- I think it's important, but I think, I think that, you know, and I guess we can, wrap up by saying this, but I think it's important that when you do look back at the, the different times of horror films and horror mm. filmmaking, I think I think that that full moon period deserves, you know, deserves more more attention, deserves you know mm. more thought. And mm. I think it's I think it's good that you know, obviously by '88 we're able to get a lot of these a lot of these movies out in the UK. You know, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's like I said, I was going through some of his um, some of Charlie Band's uh, sort of library really, and. You've even got um, Harry Hurwitz's uh, 1978 movie Fairy Tales, which I mm-hmm. I believe if I was in fact I was just browsing um, 88 Films Facebook page before I called you, just seeing um, some of the new titles that you've just announced. Very very exciting uh, stuff. Never heard of this um, The Boneyard before. I mean, just... oh, it's it's, uh, it's it's a classic. It's, it's, oh, is it? it? That's actually one of my acquisitions. Yeah. I was wow. I was really excited to to get that. It's not a Charlie Band film, but that's definitely no, no, no. Yeah, it needs uh, a lot more a lot more love and attention. But yeah, I was mm. I was very happy. I, I got um, I, I couldn't wait to get that. We actually we actually had um, we actually have have, have had the boneyard in the works for a little while. Um, oh really? Oh. Yeah, yeah. So I was I'm I'm very very thrilled to be bringing that to uh, to yeah. to Blu-ray. Well, I didn't tell them to do it as a vault title, though, but they never listened to me. <laughs> I, th- I think they're giving up on 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 the eighty eight vault, unfortunately. But yeah. Oh, oh that's that's a shame. Oh. It is. I, I, yeah, I, I only I only mentioned the new releases because I think you've got a new Blu Ray of Fairy Tales actually coming out. Um, yes, we do. We do. Which should also be in a vault title, but again, the the eighty eight vault line, I think they're just continuing. So. Oh, anyway. that is a, that is a shame. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. But yeah, so if anybody yeah. if anybody does like it, um, you know, get in touch with the yeah, with <laughs> say, just, you know? just buy them yeah. all up. Another Definitely. really odd one that I found that he was involved with is um, Savage Island. Have you ever heard of that one? I have, but I've never seen it. That's one of Charlie's films which I've I've never yeah. had the, the that's pleasure a, of viewing. That's a bit well. That's, it's a pro, it's one of those. Um, it's, do you know when they sort of um, get one of those films that's quite obscure and then they kind of re-edit it a little bit and kind of bookend mm-hmm. it with some new scenes? It's, a, it's actually a re-edit of um, a Women in Prison movie called um, 
Escape from Hell or Hell Prison. And they basically got Linda Blair to um, film some additional scenes at the beginning and the, the end where she kind of, you know, kicks kick some ass for like about 10 minutes each <laughs> and they've bookended this this whole film and i remember reading up on it and she sort of was concerned that she was being used to sell this this um this film which you know basically comprised of sock footage from another film mm-hmm. uh, but they went ahead and did it anyway and they <laughs> made posters with her on they like, kind of making her out to be the star and sadly she's only in it for about five minutes <laughs> it's one of those films uh, classic exploitation motif yes yeah. definitely and you just thought i had no idea that charles band was involved with it but yeah he was an executive producer i believe mm-hmm. so <laughs> and he's also cool. um also involved in troll the, the very first troll film that's uh, right yeah which, yeah, which, but, is, which is a, 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 a lousy movie but um you know it's, it, it's, it is it's, again it's one that, that people will perhaps fondly remember from their uh I think just their, based on Troll 2, they'd yeah. probably seek that one out just, just automatically, just in the hope that it'll be just as silly. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, the first one is a little bit of a, little bit of a downer, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, on, on that note, um, yeah, I think, I, think we can, I think we should wrap this, and hopefully when it goes online, um, we'll, get, we'll get some feedback. And, yeah, and absolutely. And continue, continue with the, with the follow-up edition. we have it folks it's always nice to hear from callum and hear what 88 films are up to now we're hoping to pepper some more chats with the 88 films on nasty pasty this year and hopefully this can become a regular thing next time we chat to callum we'll probably be speaking about the halloween franchise especially about the exciting new installment that's coming directly from john carpenter before we leave you though let's just take a look look at the latest from 88 films in their vault line, they've just released Bert Brinkerhoff's, do- Brinkerhoff's Dogs, a fun little flick about, yes, killer dogs. There's some very tempting slasher classics just been added to their collection too. There's 1988's Nightmarish Bloodletter, Slaughterhouse Rock, and the whodunit thriller Sweet 16, both of them now available on Blue Blu-ray. In their ever-growing Italian collection, they've got Fulci's meta-gore explosion of a film, A Cat in the Brain, which is sometimes known as Nightmare Concert. Joining it are two spaghetti western gunslingers in the style of Sergio Leone. There's Navajo Joe and The Mercenary. Now, all of these are available on Blu-ray and DVD. And for those of you that are into the Shaw's Brothers, 88 Films' Asia line has bulked up exponentially, with some new titles including The Enchanting Ghost, The Ghost Lovers, The One-Armed Swordsman, The Dragon Missile, and The Bride from Hell. Any listeners who love their slipcases too should probably order directly from 88 Films as they do have quite a few of these bonus exclusive editions left. 
and they've also got some juicy titles lined up for the future too. At the moment, there's a remastered print of their release of Alice Sweet Alice coming out. There's the Cult Flesh Muncher, The Boneyard, 1989 Splattertail Offerings, and also another 88 Asia title that clearly must be as outrageous as it sounds, The Super Inframen. But that's it for now, but do keep your eyes open for future 88 Films episodes, as I'm sure, no, I'm positive, that they'll be coming. But anyhow, ta-ta for now, and speak to you next time on the Nasty Pasty Podcast. Goodbye! (laughs) 